Welcome to the New Man Podcast, a show for brave men to experience freedom in their faith, sexuality, and relationships. The goal? To provide practical tools and timeless principles that help you become the man you were made to be. And now, your host, Sathya Sam. What is up, everybody? Sathya Sam here, and welcome to the New Man Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Um, it is fun. It's fun to be here, and I hope you're having a spectacular day. Uh, we are going into a really interesting subject today. I'm just diving in head first, so I hope you don't mind. No preamble here. Uh, no kind of setting the stage as I usually do. Um, we're going to just dive right in, and we're going to talk about what happens when you sign up for a program or a service that is going to help you get free of addiction. And, you know, here in our space, we talk pretty much exclusively about porn addiction, but this is really applicable across the board. And it even goes beyond addiction. I mean, we're talking about even just what happens when you agree to go see a counselor. Uh, You know, you get some, uh, some external assistance for your mental health. Or what happens when you sign up for Uh, a personal trainer, you know, somebody to help you lose some weight or put on some muscle or whatever it might be. Um, What actually happens in that process? And there's a very specific reason we're bringing this up today. And that is because, uh, you know, especially I would say in the issue of pornography and um, especially in a Christian environment, the shame is rampant. Uh, If you contrast it with somebody who may be Um, is struggling with their weight and wants to lose, you know, 20, 30 pounds, they hire a trainer. Well, that, um, that does require some bravery. But the thing about uh, a physical weight issue is that it is visible. So that person can see it, but actually, so can the people around them. Um, When you struggle with porn, nobody can see that problem unless you get caught, or you allow somebody in. And so there, there's an added degree of bravery anytime that you have to get services or programs or some sort of counsel regarding an issue that is hidden. When it is hidden, there's, there's an extra layer of bravery required simply to reach out and get the help. And uh, the reason I wanted to talk about this today is because actually one of my recent clients who signed up uh, confided in me a little bit afterwards and said, you know... Um, I actually really struggled the first few days after I signed up for this program. Like I was kind of a mess. And I don't, I actually didn't know that this was a thing. It made perfect sense as he explained it, but he was basically telling me, you know, um, by signing up for your program, I basically admitted to myself that I actually need help, that like it has gotten this bad. And it, it really felt like a low point in my life because I was confronted with this reality that I, I'm a bit hopeless on my own and I actually need the help and I I never thought my life would reach this point. And, you know, as he was saying it, I just realized, man, oh man, I I wonder how many guys have gone through this in in my own programs and in many programs around the world um, that that are out there serving people in this space uh, because that experience makes a lot of sense. And I just, I wanted to talk talk it through a little bit and, and in some ways have the same conversation that I had with him because I, I think there's, uh, there's a lot of learned lessons in this experience he had. And I do think 
the reality of talking about porn addiction and anything like it is there are so many stigmas that we still have not broken down that the the more conversations we have about it the better so i think the the first really interesting thing is uh is we're talking about shame that's really what this all boils down to uh shame which is the the it's the the belief that something is fundamentally wrong with you you know it's this thing that i am wrong I am flawed, something's wrong with me. And we know two things about fighting shame. Number one um, is that as soon as you break out of the hiddenness, generally that will dissolve or erode some of the shame. That's kind of what we're taught. And the second thing is that nothing is more powerful against shame than connection. Meaningful, authentic, vibrant connection between two or more individuals. So these are sort of the, the basics of shame. And we talked about shame in a previous episode um, that I believe it was part of our triple threat series. And that's where we went through guilt, shame and regret and how they can really be killers if we're not careful. Um, but in this context, you know, uh, we're going to focus on shame. And I think, um, I think we all know like, okay, yeah, you, you can't stay hidden if you stay alone or you do this alone. Um, the shame is going to fester. So you got to talk to somebody and then you got to start building meaningful connections. And that's why in our programs, we do a lot of community work because we know that actually it's much better if they're, um, if the people recovering are learning to build connections with each other instead of becoming lenient on a, co- uh, on a coach who is going to be in their life for a season, but maybe not there long term. So uh, connection definitely matters. But Basically, my my client's example, what he was sharing was a, a moment where he did the thing he was supposed to do. He reached out and he got help and he wound up feeling more shameful after than he did before. And so I don't know, maybe you've experienced this yourself. You know, maybe you um, you did the right thing by reaching out to somebody but uh, maybe it wasn't that you signed up for a program, but you just reached out and talked to somebody, but they didn't really empathize. Uh, maybe they criticized you or they judged you. Uh, there wasn't a lot of love in their response. They just kind of told you the truth. Um, maybe you just got a uh, total disapproval or I don't know what it might be, but there are lots of bad experiences out there. You know, you, you open up and you do the right thing and then you don't get the response that you were hoping for. And that can be a really debilitating experience. And uh, more significantly, it can be a really shameful experience. So if that's your experience, I want to let you know this is common. That doesn't make it make it okay. Um, but hopefully it at least lets you know that you're not the only one. Um, I have had several guys who, you know, in their strategy calls with me, they'll tell me uh, just some of the awful experiences they've had opening up to, you know, people in in positions of authority that should be trusted and and should be trained to handle these conversations but unfortunately don't they don't they don't handle it with any kind of professionalism or um or objectivity and it becomes really expensive for the person who actually stuck their neck out there and risked sharing this you know deep and dark secret about their life um so i told i told this client of mine two things i said number one um it's okay that you felt that way because the the reality is unless you are really willing to confront your situation and all of the truthful parts that come with it, it's going to be very hard for you to get fully 
healed and to be fully recovered. Um, there's, uh, there's, you know, there's the, all these different, there's 12 step programs and lots of different, um, methodologies out there. But I think one of the really interesting, um, well, one of the really interesting approaches uh, that even even if you look at how to process grief, the five stages of proce- processing grief, um, step one is denial. It's kind of this denial of like, no, this can't be real. And I think we often go through that when we're struggling with addictions. I know I certainly did. It was like, it, it wasn't quite the, this can't be real. It was more, um, I was kind of under the delusion that I could stop whenever I wanted to. Like, it, yeah, I know it's a problem. I know I shouldn't do it, but eventually I'll grow up. Eventually, you know, X, Y, Z, I'll get in a relationship and then, um, you know, and then I'll stop and I'll just move on with my life. So it's kind of that, that denial. Now, as long as I was living in that denial, I really had no hope of getting free. There's, there's no chance for me to get free because I am basically limiting my reality and I can only confront what I see. So if I'm not willing to look at some aspects of my situation, those aspects stay hidden and therefore they stay unresolved. So for this client of mine who, you know, is con- he, he signs up for this program, he's really excited. He's, he's basically saying like, I'm willing to put my hard earned money into a program that's going to help me get free of porn. And it's kind of this great moment. And, you know, we get them onboarded into the program and we get them signed up for the calls and plugged into the community and they get to kind of watch some videos of other guys sharing their stories about how they got into the program and why they're there and what they're going after and all that kind of stuff. And then it's like three days of just shame and confusion and depression and like what is going on. Um, but But it's so important that in his heart of hearts, he has accepted that this is his situation. It's not going to be like this forever, but it did get here. And we've, um, we've talked a little bit about um, the principal stack uh, a couple episodes ago, and we're going to get more into that probably a little bit closer to the book release. I, I really want to, I want to double down on that one because I like it a lot. Um, but the two, uh, the first two layers of our principal stack are control and responsibility. And you cannot take responsibility for something you do not control. And you cannot take responsibility for something you don't know you control. And so uh, when you, you know, you sign up for this program, when you reach out to that trusted leader, um, there, there's a whole, uh, a whole nother element. Yes, it feels good to reach out. Yes, it feels good to get help. But this other side of it is that like, whoa, this is, this is real. Like it's, it's no longer hidden. I cannot live under some sort of illusion that everything's okay or that this isn't really that big of a deal. It's out there. And because it's out there, I now have to deal with it. Now, um, I would reframe that. And this is what I encouraged uh, the person I spoke with as well, is you now get to deal with it. You now have the opportunity to actually face something head on. And you can't face something. You can't deal with something if you don't, um, if you don't have awareness of it, or if you're simply keeping it hidden. So that is, that's the added benefit. Even if you are um, struggling, you know, you're, you're like, okay, I signed up or I reached out. I feel worse. Why do I feel worse? It could be that the reality is sinking in a little bit deeper. Now, in my client's case, and in the case of other people who are reaching out and getting into, you know, solid programs that are going to help them, 
in the long run, this this just becomes a little bit of a blip. It, it almost is like pulling back the sling and the sling gets pulled back just a little bit more than you thought it would. But it's really going to launch you forward. It's going to it's going to force you to plug into the community. Uh, it's going to force you to to get involved and it's going to motivate you to get some of those results you want. And when you do face your reality, you are now positioned to do something about it. See, without without that kind of um, admission and that confrontation of the reality, you live um, you live limited, maybe even paralyzed to make the changes that you actually need to make. So um, I just thought this was such an interesting subject. I was really grateful that my client opened up to me about it. And um, and I, I know that his situation really, um, though it's the first time I'm hearing it that openly, I know that he probably represents a, a cascade of, of individuals out there who have, you know, done the right thing by reaching out and getting some help and then still somehow feel worse afterwards. And so if that was your experience, um, I'd, I'd love to hear about it. And maybe maybe there's other elements here that I haven't even talked about. Um, it would be really interesting to hear from you. Um, I, I want to give one more one more piece of advice because I think um, I'm, t- I'm talking primarily to people who have already had this experience, but maybe you haven't, you know, maybe you, you haven't reached out to anybody, you haven't got any help for uh, some of the struggles you're experiencing, but you want to. And, and I would hate for this podcast episode to discourage you from doing that because actually there's so much fruit that comes from reaching out. And I wanted to give you a, a few pieces of advice that I think would go a really long way for you to ensure that um, that when you do reach out, it is actually productive, and and that it is going to um, it's going to be more productive uh, than destructive or anything else. So um, here here are kind of my top pieces of advice. Number one, it's okay to tell people things in um, uh, in gra- in a gradual format. So what I mean by that is. If you've had this struggle with porn for 20 years and it's eaten away at your self-esteem, it's affected your romantic pursuits and you've spent nights alone just uh, binging, you know, and your friends have asked you to hang out and you've said, nah, you just told them you're busy with work or something, but really you lied. And, you know, if, if you have this sort of deep um, history with a struggle, when you decide to reach out to somebody and get some help, they don't need everything. They don't need the full story. And usually what happens is it feels so good to finally open up that it's like one thing leads to another and all these things come to mind and we just keep offloading everything off our chest. And it, it's like, oh, this is so great. I, I feel like a free person and it's really liberating. But if we go too far, if we don't, um, I would say rein it in or we don't have some plan to kind of do this in gradual steps, one of two things happens. Either we, we end up ver- verbally vomiting on the other person and they are just kind of left to clean up the pieces of our little spew. Or we feel great in the moment and maybe the other person has the capacity to handle it. And, and it feels like this great moment, but then there's, there's nothing after. There's no follow through. So it, it ends up being a breakthrough moment that leads to basically nothing. And we want to avoid this at all costs. And that's why it's really important that like you don't just go to a priest and confess your sins. 
Um, if that's part of your practice, so be it. I, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. I'm just saying that alone will not be enough. Uh, confession is a great place to start, but it's not the end goal. It, it's really just meant to get the ball rolling. So um, if you're gonna if you're gonna reach out to someone, my top tip to start is um, just give them give them the Coles notes, give them some basic overviews, maybe get into a few specifics. Um, but then coupled with this is to schedule a follow up. So when you talk to someone, ask, hey, can I talk to you about this again in a week or two? So if it's a pastor or a mentor or a leader, um, ask if you can talk to them about it. If it's your spouse, um, we're definitely going to get more into this subject because opening up with your spouse is a really big deal. Um, and there are good ways to do it and there are bad ways to do it. And I've seen both. Um, but, you know, whoever you're opening up to, you want to make sure that you are, that you're being intentional and that this is not just a one and done, but that you're willing to actually do this on some kind of regular basis. And usually what happens, like, again, you're not signing up for like, you know, 12 sessions with them or, or having this ongoing thing. But usually what happens over the course of a few sessions is they start to get a better idea of your situation. And together you can work at finding a solution or being redirected to some more professional services where you can get help that you need. Now, this could happen after one session as well, depending on who you're meeting with. But regardless, um, I would always encourage you, play that long game. This should not be about a one-off confessional. It should be about ongoing conversation that allows you to freely discuss the things you're going through so you can dissipate the shame and really stay rooted and grounded in a recovery process. So that is my top tip. Now, my second tip, my second piece is um, always, always seek solutions that involve community. Um, in other words, a one-on-one solution will never be enough. And I do very little one-on-one coaching for this reason. I, I enjoy one-on-one coaching. I love the, the specialization and kind of the focus and really the intensity of that setting. But long term, you got to have some community and it doesn't have to be a lot, but it does have to be more than one person. So that that is a a huge encouragement is um, whatever solutions you seek out, make sure that they involve community. And if anybody's trying to corner you into this uh, one on one thing, uh, I would be very leery of that. Um, And my last my last tip is uh, do not call yourself an addict. Okay, this is a really, really big deal. Do not label yourself an addict. And the reason that you don't want to do this is because, yes, you may have an addiction, but having an addiction is very different than being an addict. Because as you may recall, the issue at hand here is shame. And shame does not deal with what you do or what you have. It deals with who you are. And we want to always nip shame in the bud as quickly as we possibly can. And when you call yourself an addict and when you, when you say, I am hopeless, and you, you declare these things about who you are, not, they're not things about who you feel or how you feel rather or, or what you have or what you do, but when they're statements about who you are, they need to be guarded very carefully. Like you should never make a statement like, I am an addict, I am hopeless. Those are statements you want to eliminate from your vocabulary. Because of this simple reason, you cannot outperform your behavior. Uh, pardon me, you cannot outbehave your beliefs. 
You can't, you can't outperform your beliefs. So what that means is if you believe that you are an addict, that means you can go through the recovery process. You can, you can heal along the way. But as long as you're an addict, number one, your addiction will always be a part of who you are because you are an addict. And number two, you will never fully be able to step into the God-given identity that you possess. We're, we're all called to be sons. To, we're not called to be addicts. We're not called to be hopeless individuals. We are called to be sons, to be children of God who walk in authority that has been given to us by the king of all kings. And you cannot do that when you are an addict. So, so do not call yourself an addict. Don't label yourself. It's not who you are. Um, I'll give you a story here just to wrap everything up. Uh, this was a friend many years ago, um, probably about 10 years ago. And uh, this story is in my courses, actually. And I, I believe it maybe even made it into my book. Um, but basically, the story is that uh, they got caught stealing from Walmart. And, um, you know, a bunch of friends had done it. And, and, you know, someone always gets caught and they happen to be the person who got caught. So they get um, they get arrested or, you know, whatever. They get caught and they get taken to the office and um, the person's just dealing with them. They're dealing with some paperwork. And at the time, they were a minor. So uh, the parents had to come and pick them up. And, um, you know, this person is just dreading, dreading facing their parents, uh, knowing what they've done, knowing that they're going to get a talking to and probably grounded and whatever else. And the officer who is dealing with them said, uh, just just in the, a brief moment, you know, um, when, when they were kind of spacing out and figuring out what it is they were going to say to their parents and all that, the officer says, just because you stole doesn't make you a thief. Just because you stole doesn't make you a thief. And, uh, and so this is a really interesting concept, really interesting idea. And what he was doing in that moment, the officer was drawing a distinction between the person's behavior and their identity. And he was saying, even though you've behaved this way, this does not dictate who you are. And I want to say the same thing to you. I, whatever struggle it is that you have, this struggle does not define you. The struggle is not who you are. It's not your identity. Your identity is so secure in, God, in God's eyes and in his love and in the work of Christ on the cross. Nothing can change that. Your identity is, it is stable. It is, it is solid, concrete. And you have absolutely nothing to worry about in that regard. And so in this process, you know, as you reach out and get the help you need and you, you get involved in programs, we, we do not see you as an addict. We don't see you as somebody who is hopeless and was, is so messed up that you need to get some help. We see you as men of integrity, uh, men who care enough about themselves and about their relationships to actually invest in some resources that are going to help them get rid of this debilitating problem, whether it's with pornography, masturbation, um, or whatever else it might be. And so I want to encourage you today, as you step further in your recovery process, uh, don't call yourself an addict. Be very, very careful what you say about yourself and who you are, because it will shape the parameters with which you operate in your life. And it'll affect every single facet, health, relationships, fitness, emotions, psychology, spirituality, uh, vocation, whatever else it may be. And so um, I want to thank you guys so much for listening today. And as I wrap up, I want to encourage you, if you haven't talked to anybody, it might be time to reach out, follow some of the guidelines we gave you here today, 
And if you have reached out and you're, you're looking for um, some more involvement, there's lots of good programs out there. You're welcome to check out mine. But, um, you know, we interview guests who have some phenomenal programs as well that I really feel comfortable uh, recommending and referring you to. Um, but hey, there's no time like the present. And um, I think one of the biggest mistakes I made, as I mentioned, is just thinking, yeah, one day I will stop. I'll stop when I need to stop. And if you're caught up in that thinking pattern, I want to let you know you're in a lot more trouble than you realize. And it might be wise for you to face the music now and get some help before things become worse and you become more stuck. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it. I really enjoy these. Uh, this is so much fun for me. And, um, and it's been a lot of fun uh, being here with you today. Hope you have an amazing day. And I'll look forward to being with you again very, very soon. Thanks for listening to The New Man Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, you can share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, please sign up for the weekly newsletter at www.sathiasam.com or follow on Instagram at Sam. Thanks again and see you next time.